Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Thanks for joining us. This is Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. I want to introduce our two exceptional leaders that come from come to us from Soar Vision Group. Ben Sawyer is the Chief Executive Officer. We should just say right now, also back from Hawaii. Yes. Yes. Oh, Jennifer and I are yeah. still a little bitter. Yeah. I, we were just lucky to get out before the hurricane. We were feeling very fortunate. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And 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 a shout out to the people that uh, experienced that. Our, you know, our prayers right. are with them and say, yeah. Go Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we missed you. So welcome back, Ben. Ben has over 30 years of executive leadership experience and significant guided strategy deployment experience. He has worked with many clients to achieve dramatic, sustainable operational performance, and he's greatly improved outcomes. Jennifer Strahan is the chief operating officer of SOAR Vision Group, the one who didn't get to go to Hawaii along with me. That's right. (laughs) Thanks for treat. (laughs) We struggled through together. We had a a couple good shows. Uh, Jennifer has partnered with more than 100 health systems and businesses across the U.S. She helps them transform their strategic and administrative operations. This week's guest joining us is Russ Branzell. He is the CEO of CHIME, and that stands for College of uh, Healthcare Information Management Executives. I I like how it was put after that. All CIOs in healthcare. That, that covers all CIOs in healthcare. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. And uh, maybe not all of them, but most of them, especially in the United States. So we're very blessed to have uh, uh, most of them as part of our organization. Tell me a little bit about what your group does. Now, Chime, and I won't go over the long name again, but we'll just keep calling I it Chime for it. the purposes of today, uh, is the professional association for mostly chief information officers, a few other positions, senior health IT officials in healthcare in the United States. Uh, whether that be large medical groups, hospitals, other forms of healthcare. And our real purpose is to bring people together to share best practice, to network, and really help drive performance in, the, in this country, especially for healthcare. But over the last couple of years, also internationally, we're actually in 55 countries around the globe. Uh, we have members across the entire plant. The only place we don't have members is Antarctica. Uh, we don't think we're going to get any members there anytime soon. No one's filling out that job application. <laughs> no, and we're pretty sure there's only penguins there. So, uh, but we're very blessed in that that we have an opportunity to make a difference in healthcare uh, like never before. So, tell me the relationship between Soar Vision Group and Chime. So, um, Russ and I have been acquainted for a number of years. And when I was leaving my last company, he was the one of the first guys I reached out to and said, hey, Russ, I'm, I'm going to take, take a package, and I want to be able to think about next steps. Can you co-think this with me? So he was instrumental, actually, in SOAR, the, gen- the genesis of SOAR. Oh, wow. Okay. This is great, going back to the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you – I know that you work with a lot of healthcare organizations. How important is it – to partner with Russ because he sort of has the inside track on what is happening in healthcare with people who are at the front lines, the leadership positions. Right. So there's another facet of Russ that you should know about. He's on the board of overseers of the Baldrige. There you go. Okay. So one of his one of his his some of his coaching to Jennifer and I was as you do this performance excellence uh, project that you're doing. Make sure it's aligned with the Baldrige standards. And he provided the introduction to Al Faber, who is the president and CEO, 
of the Baldrige Foundation, who will be here on September 14th as our guest. Wonderful, because we've done, we, we've mentioned Baldridge a lot, and we have touched on those practices, but for people who are just tuning in, and for laymen, tell me about the Baldridge Foundation. So the Baldridge Organization, at a macro level, is the Presidential Quality Excellence Award, and it's actually the only business award given out by the President of the United States. Uh, it's been around for several decades, uh, and it was actually first signed into law under Reagan, I believe, and it is really for all industries. There's categories for all different industries, whether that be for manufacturing or education or small businesses. Uh, but one of the biggest is healthcare. And I was actually in an organization in Colorado that used the Baldrige framework for performance excellence to really drive the organization's operations, really how we did everything in the organization. We would actually describe ourselves as a Baldrige organization. It was the DNA and how we existed. And what it does is it drives organizations to a performance based on very clear criteria, clear performance guidelines. It doesn't tell you always how to do your business, but how to really drive your organizational performance. And it's done across the entire country. Organizations that follow this generally, by and large, are some of the highest performing organizations in this country. So one so. of the things that's interesting is that no matter what size an organization is, whether it's a small business or a large health system, multi-billion dollar company, whatever the case is, in today's world, technology is a part of it, right? I mean, we can't get around that. In, in reality, we want it to actually benefit us. So I'm curious, Russ, if you can share a little bit about your role and how that connection between the technology that we're doing every day in the front line on whatever our operations are and how that fits back to the senior strategy or vision towards a Baldridge journey. Yeah, so it, it's very interesting when we started this Baldridge journey all the way back even in Colorado in, in the early 2000s, one of the things that was missing from the system we did was how to really monitor on a frequent basis and a clear, uh, transparent way to everyone in the organization, a fairly large organization, well over 10,000 staff members, how to make sure everyone was bought into performance excellence. And what we didn't have was a performance management system. And so we used that really complex, very, very technical thing called Excel. <laughs> uh, and what we did was we actually created a, a performance management system that cascaded from very clear, board-driven vision all the way down to every single person in the organization. So anywhere in that process, there was clear objectives that went down to goals, that went down to department or, or organizational areas of, of expectation, down to your individual goals. And what that allowed anybody to do at any given time was actually see how we were performing. And there was complete transparency. Everyone could see everyone's scorecards in the entire organization, all the way up including the board and the CEO's scorecard. So there was complete transparency. Now, that was even in the, in the early 2000s that we started that process. Now, fast forward all the way to 2018, and you would think that there would be this preponderance of electronic tools and mobility, and even in our organization today, we use that very advanced uh, tool called Excel. <laughs> now, it works. Some things wor still work, people. Some <laughs> things still work, and they still work on paper. And even I was just explaining to them over lunch, uh, we just changed to a new fiscal year uh, right in the middle of the year, and so we have a new start date on October 1st. So we had to update last year's, or now this year's, balance scorecard for a nine-month cycle to change our fiscal year. And the second we did that, it immediately was sent out to every single member of the organization, and all of our team immediately start printing it out and putting it in their, in their cubes or in their offices or at home or wherever they work 
So they immediately know what the expectations are performance, and they know how they're performing along the way. What we're really seeking right now in this world of electronic uh, expectation and mobility is how do you create that in an electronic format in a way that's transparent and mobile to everyone? Now, at the risk of really uh, hyping up SOAR here a little bit, that, and that was one of the first things I asked them for was, it, can you help us drive this? Because they're experts at performance management and operations. But if you can create an electronic way to get everyone engaged, you'll see some huge benefit. And I know that's part of their entire solution that they put out there. And I selfishly want this thing to be a big success because I'm <laughs> sick of updating Excel <laughs> spreadsheets now that is a little time for consuming. 15 years. So, so no pressure, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the purposes of the listeners, let's just create a couple anchor points and then let's go back in and talk more about this technology. So you were the chief information officer at Poudre Valley Medical Center in uh, Colorado at the time. You guys won the Baldridge. We received the recognition in 2008. Which is huge. Mm -hmm. So to win that is spectacular. And as uh, Russ just pointed out, basically a characteristic is you can go to any associate of the 10,000 associates, ask them how what they're doing relates to the organizational vision and strategy, and they can answer that question quite accurately. And just as a reminder, and I know you really like this stat, Duffy, but to all of our listeners, remember 95% of frontline employees do not understand how their daily tasks relate back to the senior strategy. So yes. that, that's 95% right. do not. Across the nation, that's the Correct. general Correct, and stat. only 79% of middle managers understand how strategy connects to uh, their, their jobs and organization. This is all research done out of Harvard. Um, we've talked about this before. So for the listeners, if you remember, you can go onto the Leader Dialogue uh, website and you can look at the organizational hierarchy of needs. What we're gonna be talking about is operational excellence and there is a cascading visual there that shows vertical and horizontal integration. So. As you are listening to us talk with Russ today, look for that visual because that will help you. So, so Russ, with that as a context and kind of an anchor point for the right. listeners, just explain a little bit more what the technology can do to connect those people and particularly basically having a mobile app in their pocket. Yeah, I think one of the first things that, that today's technology allows is accessibility and transparency at any place at any time. Uh, we were joking about this earlier. I don't think a day goes by where I don't need a piece of data about something. The problem is I'm never in my home office. Right. <laughs> I'm never in our headquarters office in Michigan. I'm always somewhere else, which always is another way of saying I'm in the wrong place always because <laughs> I need to be somewhere else next. And having that accessibility means so much for people and most importantly for the frontline uh, staff and, and, and teammates, as we refer to them, so they know what's going on at all times. And, and most human beings can engage in anything if they know the data and they know the stuff on the front end. And I, I think one of the biggest parts of this is to understand that high-performing organizations have amazing engagement scores. No matter what survey tool they use uh, or what process they use to, to measure that, they always are performing in a, at a huge level. Some of the highest in the, and we had in our organization in Colorado as an example, we were like in the top one or 2% of engagement of like organizations in the entire country. 
but we didn't start that way. We started near the bottom of this, and part of that is transparency. And I think if we move to an electronic environment, what you allow people to do is seamlessly move through as though it worked today. Our phones are everywhere with us today. Mm -hmm. Our technology is with us everywhere today. Why wouldn't our business stuff? Now, I believe in separation of all of that, meaning we all need downtime away from work. But if we are allowed to focus the right way at the right times, that actually frees that up for people. And I think one of the biggest things we're going to see is organizations that figure out that this is a great engagement tool will perform and accelerate at a pace that puts their peers um, at a much greater risk of losing market share or service enhancements or those type of things. And I think one of the greatest numbers that I've ever heard, and I think it's been consistent for years from Gallup, is that in an average organization, it's like 55% are barely engaged or moderately engaged, and 17 to 18% are actively fully disengaged trying to actually hurt your company which means only a small percentage, whatever that is, a little over 20%, 22 23%, are actually fully engaged. And that's in ordinary performing organizations. So that's you, frightening. Mm -hmm. So if you can just get a little bit better, you don't have to have 50% fully engaged. If you're 40% fully engaged, you're going to knock it out of the park. You're going to perform at such a huge level. And part of this is to get people bought in and truly transparent view into everything happening in the organization. Just a reminder, this goes back to our organizational hierarchy of needs, and when you look at the foundational component of that hierarchy, it is based on employee engagement, because that's how you create internal loyalty, that's how you create excitement and retention, and ultimately that's how you achieve results. And that's also aligned with Baldridge criteria as well and their performance excellence framework. Right. Does, does transparency also, this idea that mm -hmm. you know what the CEO's goals are, you know what your goals are, does that help in two ways. Number one, I think it's probably a little scary because everyone's on the record as to what they're supposed to do and what's expected of them. Mm -hmm. Does it also weed out people who, as you said, are disengaged or just not on board? I mean, I, I, it, it's scary. It may be scary for some, but it, it, and it is empowering for some. But how transparency is a buzzword, but is it always a good buzzword for people? Well, so... Um, to rephrase that, it creates a spotlight okay. yes. on yes. performance. And if you're a person that doesn't like to be in the spotlight, then it probably is going to be uncomfortable. But those or those people that are high performers have no problem with that because that's what they're doing. They're they're making it happen, and they have no problem being in the spotlight. So it's not um, a system or an approach that is negative at all for right. an associate. What it's actually building is internal esprit de corps. And listeners may remember, and I'm going to ask Russ about this, there are two primary failure modes, if you recall. Remember, we talked about this in previous radio shows, in strategy execution. And this was uh, confirmed with the research of Donald Soule from MIT and Rebecca Homkees from the London School of Economics when they wrote a, a paper on the five myths of strategy execution. So one is decision right management, which again, unless you have transparency and alignment, is never going to happen. And the second is information flow, which has everything to do with transparency and visibility and being able to agilely respond as an organization to things that are coming in. So getting back, Russ, to your example with Putri Valley, how did you overcome decision right management and information flow blockages as the organization started to have this increasing level of engagement and transparency. Part of this was 
the culture that was being created from our senior leadership and, and particularly our CEO and that there was just an expectation. You couldn't be part of this organization and team if you didn't believe in this philosophy. And, and he used to actively invite people, if you don't believe in this, we'll help you find another job. And, and it wasn't to be threatening or mean, it was just this is the way we're going to operate our organization. Exactly. And this is why we're gonna do it, which is just as important. And in that case, it was because we wanna make sure we were providing world-class healthcare. And if you didn't believe in that, then you probably shouldn't work in healthcare. <laughs> but besides that, you probably shouldn't work in that organization. So as you gauge people, and there is a natural tendency to be very defensive about this. Mm -hmm. Let's just be blunt about it. When you get a balanced scorecard, and you, your eyes immediately are drawn to the yellow and red, depending if you're a three-color or four-color organization, it's kind of like the stoplight. You see yellow and red, you're trained to think something bad's going to happen if you don't comply or something's there. And, and that's part of cultural norms as well, is you've got to convince people, and you've got to clearly create a culture where yellow and bad, red are not a bad thing. That just means you need to focus. That means those are the areas, the opportunities that you have to focus your resources there. So it also is tough sometimes for the super high performer. In our organization, we have blue, green, yellow, and red. And for the people that are always in the blue, the high need achievers, the super type A personalities, and they're blue all the time, and they, they're ready for the award and all that kind of stuff, you go, you know what, I'm going to take some of your resources away from you and give it to the yellow and red people right now that need help. And part of that is creating group norms and culture change that says there really isn't individual and department goals, even though there is. And that is we're all in this together. So, and part of that is to create the mindset of, even though I may not work in the finance department, if, if finance has a metric that's not performing well, and I work in nursing, how do I help in nursing finance? Well, that's just not the way most organizations run. I'm in my silo and I make sure my silo's doing well and even if the other people aren't doing well, my silo's doing well, even if at the end of the year we as a group aren't doing well. Well, that's not how high-performing organizations work. We're all in this together. It doesn't matter if you're 100,000 employees or 30 employees. If you can create a culture where people buy into that, they know everybody's in it together. And this links back to from vision to front line is everything in, align in alignment even when you don't perform well, admittedly, we all are not performing well in those areas. So what's really interesting about this is when you're talking about transparency, there's a couple of components that flow from this, right? One is it naturally creates an, a need to understand how you fit in the overall, what we call our value stream, which is essentially all the processes and the steps that come together to give the ultimate service or product to the customer or patient, whatever the industry is, right? So. When you're in a great example, nursing, we get a lot of pushback when I'm on site in hospitals that we, what do we have to do with finance? Like, I don't want to talk about finances because I don't do that. I do patient care. But obviously, that's an intricate part of the organization. If you're financially not doing well, then that means you're not going to be able to serve your communities. That means you may not have a job. Right, right. <laughs> As a so, nurse. So it's, it's, it's personal, right? The second piece of it that it builds on, this goes back to the question you mentioned, is it, it instills accountability. And it's kind of funny because I heard once um, from a professor at Ohio State, the Ohio State University School of Business, 
um, Jeffrey Ford, he talked about how a lot of people, they hear accountability and they have an accountophobia. So we tend to naturally have a negative connotation when we hear accountability and we think of it as punishment, but it's actually not. It's actually, it's actually a really great way to have peer accountability, upward and downward accountability, to be able to get to the results you need so that you can see things when when you have reds and yellows, why are we not at the point we need? And then how do we support that as an organization? And without the transparency behind it and the understanding of how they all fit together, then it's really hard to actually instill accountability for people to want to jump in and not feel like they're being forced to do it. So what's interesting about transparency and accountability is it's actually a system problem. It evidences itself with individuals not being able to necessarily all work well together. But one of the things that Russ was explaining is as they took this on as a system, they were able to see changes at an individual level. So uh, I'm gonna tee up a concept for the listeners and then Russ, if you can kind of respond to this. So when Jennifer and I are talking with organizations, we often uh, ask them, so what is your strategy execution system? And they look at us with <laughs> confusion and they're like, I don't know if we have one. Well, actually they do, they just may not recognize the three legs of their strategy execution stool, right? So one leg is that they have an annual strategic planning retreat, which often is a regret session because they're looking at what they didn't get accomplished that year and oh darn, you know, what can we do next year? The second is they have monthly meetings, but those meetings tend to be meetings too, right? They're updates and urgent issues and how are you feeling and you know that kind of stuff but it's not necessarily related to really strategy execution and then the third and the biggest is the the proxy for strategy is the budget cycle the budget is inherently sort of non-transparent and competitive because it's a limited pie so if your department gets something that means I may not because there's only a certain amount of capital and so as Einstein says if you continue to do what you've always done you're probably going to continue to get what you've always gotten. So in in this context though, like as you deployed this at Putri Valley, how did that change? What were the what were the new legs of the stool, if you will, for performance excellence? So it's interesting the way you describe that because the the things you even mentioned tend to blend and and actually kind of disappear into the the way you do business. And when you wrap this around, and, and sure, you still have a budget cycle and you still have a goal and, and strategic planning cycle, those type of things, but those become feeders into the way you do business, into the, the really kind of the DNA of the organization. And in our case, it was all around performance management system. And w the way we would manage performance linked to everything. And you can actually make an argument for organizations, you'll often hear about they get over the wall projects and they often get distracted and uh, they have a CEO, which I get described as occasionally, that loves to say yes um, to the latest new We've idea. We've covered that. You've, you've, you've already been discussed. I'm sure I have. <laughs> Not by name, but now we have a name to put with it. But, but you know what's interesting is this actually puts that entire process in context. And, and the answer might still be yes, but how does it fit into all of that? How does it fit into the plan and the performance of the organization? And one of the things we try to do in our organization now, we try to do it in previous organizations I've been in, such as Poudre Valley, and that is if it isn't part of that, if it's not part of that performance management system, if it doesn't map back to everything that was put in process as part of that performance management system, why are you doing it? Right. 
and, and you always hear about organizations have to-do lists and these are the projects. What about the to-don't list? Right. What about right. all the things we shouldn't be doing because it's actually wasting time and resources from what our real vision and mission is? And I think in organizations that I've been blessed to work in in the last couple of years, last couple of decades, they get that. They get that to do this, you have to stay focused. To stay focused, everyone has to understand what's going on. And it doesn't matter whether it's, if it's the night janitor or it's the board chair, everyone has to know what's going on. Or and then you don't have to know it to great details, but you have to be focused and understand where the organization's going. So Jennifer, I want to direct this question to you. So Russ asked, said something really interesting. He said, look, those things that you described, Ben, are feeders mm -hmm. into what became our performance excellence structure. That structure became the three-legged stool. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners, kind of take that apart for us. Like, what are the components of an effective performance excellence structure that are connected to the Baldridge mm -hmm. that actually can provide that kind of performance? Yeah, so I'll try to hit on a few things. Um, a couple of thoughts. One is that we can say all day long that we're going to be transparent with people at the front line, right? But if there's not a way to build that into your operations, it becomes just words and not necessarily action that you can drive change based on. So a really good example, I was in an organization once where they were so proud to show all of their strategic initiatives and they were transparent about it because they flashed them on a PowerPoint screen with 20 things listed over about 80 different initiatives for about one minute. And that was their idea of transparency. But that's- You saw it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but who, that, that doesn't have any meaning behind it, right? Who's gonna get value from that? And so what's really unique about this is by doing things in terms of when you start to say, how do we build that into our operations? There's a couple of components. One is you mentioned, Russ mentioned about, you know, actually having it in a performance management system. In their case, they were using Excel as one way to increase visibility across that board, right? Or for SOAR, we have our technology. But the point being, there is a way to link all of the different goals from the very top down to the front line and making sure that you know how your role and whatever department you are in supports back to those large strategic pillars, right? So that's that transparency that you're able to look at and you can actually build that in with not only knowing what the goals are, how you're doing, what you're working towards, et cetera. A, a second thing I would say is around the communication and feedback loop. So it's not enough to just know where you're at if you don't feel empowered to actually be able to drive change based on it or to break down barriers. And so part of that performance management infrastructure has to be how do we have communication between department leaders and division leaders and organizational leaders down to, again, supervisors and frontline team members who are delivering the most important essence of your business, which is usually they're working with your patients, working with your members, your customers. So how do you make sure there's a connection to say, what's going really well? What are the things you're really focused on? What are your priorities? What are the processes that are burdening this? How are your people doing? And most importantly, what can I do to actually break down any barriers? So if you have that feedback loop, it allows you to start saying, what are the things you can change? and how do you empower your team to drive that change? And then the things that they feel they can't, or maybe it's outside of their, their authority, what are the things that the next level up changes? And you create, again, that communication feedback and cascade from the very top, uh, and I don't like to say the bottom because it's just it's demeaning, but instead it's all the way to the front line, which is where that service is actually occurring. Right, so there's a structure. There is uh, a methodical connection between senior leadership and the front line, 
and then that represents itself in executable action. So um, take us to a close here on this radio show, because uh, we'll talk about this in our next week's show when we do the deep dive. But Russ, sort of take us home on this in terms of what that looks like in an organization and ultimately the impact on the customer, in this case, the patient. Now, I think as we go through this process, as you take organizations and if you can ingrain this into the way they live, the way they operate every single day, if there's a philosophy that we're all in this together, right. but we also not only are in it all together, we know where we're going together. Right. Yes. And I think that's a rarity even in very successful businesses today. If you went and spent time with them, you'd find a lot of fragmentation and direction and thought of almost everyone there, even down to asking very successful organizations, do you even understand your vision at a simple level, and most would not be able to, to tell what that is. So that rarity when you can get people in a performance environment, operationally sound, transparent in results and metrics where everyone's bought into this, you create this rarity of an organization where it's all moving almost fluidly instead of trying to grind it out down a path. And what you find is these organizations thrive. And right. the results move at such a pace it actually is difficult to understand, where you can move from the bottom of, of a quartile or an area to highest performing in a very short period of time and sustain those results. What does that mean in healthcare in particular, where I happen to work? You have er opportunities to m dramatically improve patient outcomes, improve safety, and a rarity in today's society, actually reduce costs which if we can do all three of those. We need a bell for that. <laughs> <laughs> if we could do all three of, that, three of those things by deploying something as simple, and I don't say simple like it's easy, simple as the Ballbridge framework, things that SOAR's building on, do you imagine what our national health system would look like? We wouldn't even be having discussions at a political level. And the Baldridge Foundation has the success stories to back it up. SOAR has the success stories to back it up. We have so much more to talk about. We're going to meet next week to go over it. We call it a deep dive, but this is great. We are on to good stuff. So please join in next time. For those of you who are joining us, we wanted to tell you this, of course, is presented by SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember to tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern time to listen to us live. Now to hear this episode again or to listen to any of our previous Leader Dialogue episodes, visit, visit leadershipdialogue.com slash podcast. Leader.com. I, I, I keep messing this up. You want to make it a, uh, a group. Well, I keep thinking, I, when people ask what we do, I say we discuss leadership, and it's not just, so that's right, where so I get it from. That's how I describe it. Leaderdialogue.com podcast. Exactly. On behalf of Ben and Jennifer and our producers, Mike and Trey, I'm Duffy Dixon. We'll see you next time on Business Radio X. 